Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick Podcast Network production. I'm Alan Evans. And I'm Joey Santos. And this week, we're talking to a good friend of mine and fan favorite in the Real Housewives universe, Dorinda Medley. And Dorinda's new book, Make It Nice, published by a friend of mine, Jennifer Bergstrom at Gallery Books, has appeared on the Amazon, one of the Amazon bestseller lists. At number one for the book and and number four for the ebook in uh, television personality. So it's off to an amazing start. And on this episode, we'll hear all about the book, what's going on with her now, and we'll tie it all together with our theme this week, which is making it nice. So let's grab a drink and dive in. Joey, what have you got for a cocktail this week for Dorinda? Well, I thought I love the theme of making it nice. And, you know, that's I roll that way, too. You know how I make everything nice. (laughs) (laughs) So I had the butler uh, for our suite here on the ship uh, bring me a a wonderful bottle of champagne on ice with some nice chilled glasses. And we'll do a little toast uh, to her new book. Okay. What we should all know is that this week, Joey is on a cruise in Alaska. So he's coming to us live from the ship, and they are currently in Juneau, Alaska, correct? Correct. We just pulled into port this morning, very early this morning. It was interesting because um, this portion of the cruise, which I've been on now for three days, was supposed to be this morning as we're coming into port uh, a few hours before that. Uh, it's supposed it's considered the scenic portion of the of the cruise where you see the glaciers and we're going through all of that and it was so foggy this morning and we all we had to get up around 5 30 in the morning to be on the deck the front deck of the ship where they were going to have uh you know like hors d'oeuvres and coffee and and things like that so we could all watch it together and it was so foggy So there was nobody out there. It was freezing cold, and everybody said, screw this. So we all went to, we went back to our room and ordered breakfast and had coffee and watched it from our balcony. So that was kind of a bust. 
because it was, you know, everyone was looking forward to it, but we still saw it. And then a couple hours later, the sky opened and it was absolutely a beautiful day. And we pulled into Juneau earlier, where I just got back from a hike and I, I took the tram all the way to about 2,000 feet up on this mountain ridge and I got to walk through the woods. And so it's, it's been really beautiful. And then tonight we have a little show to see in the, uh, in the theater and dinner and you know all the good stuff so it's been an amazing journey so far and i still have about five days to go so it's completely different because if i recall you used to make fun of cruises and now you're a big fan of cruises (laughs) now i am an official cruiser and i met so many wonderful people so many funny nice people you know why because I've, i've never been on one but it always appeared to me that it was that you know that sort of like Vegas, you know? And so I would say, oh, I can't do that. You know, I thought everybody got drunk and they're falling overboard. They are, because the different cruise lines have different kinds of cruises. Like if you go on, what was that one with what's-her-name? Uh, you know, the holiday, she used to dance in the car- carnival, carnival cruise. In the morning, in the evening, yeah. we got fun. That experience, Kathy Lee, is quite different yeah. from your experience. They're just a different type of experience. I'm not going to say bad or good. They're different. And you're on a high-end cruise, yeah, and I have no problem with any of those things. I just, that was the impression I always got. So it never it never appealed to me like, oh, I want to go on that. Right. And then when this opportunity came up, it's it was well worth it. So now I am, you have to come on the next one with us, you and Will. It's really great. And I think we want to plan the one from uh, Ireland to Iceland. That's the one I want to take in May. So maybe you can, you know, see if you can come along on that one. That sounds really, really great. Oh, that's interesting, actually, because I was telling Will, you know, I did Alaska. I did that cruise and loved it. I had a great time. We did it from Anchorage. You guys didn't go up that high. And I loved the the day where we crossed over the sea and they you can't see anything. And, you know, with that balcony, we sat outside the whole time and loved it. Yeah. But, yeah, the other one that I really would like to do is the Mediterranean, where they stopped in Barcelona and, you know, all of those places along the way, which is kind of a, a quick, fun way to see all those cities, you know, that I've been to, but it's but Will hasn't. And it's a nice way to sort of do a day in each one. Well, the great thing about this, this is a huge ship, you know, and everybody keeps telling me this is a smaller one. But I mean, it's, it looks like the Beverly Center, only floating. I mean, it's giant. You know, and they keep saying it's a, it's a smaller ship. But here's the great thing. We're only operating at 30% capacity. So it's like no one's on the ship. That's great. I know. And their protocol, uh, everyone is uh, tested before they get on, has to show their, their vaccination cards. And I mean, they're so strict and it just makes you feel really comfortable and you don't have to wear a mask on board the ship. Oh, great. So it's it's really great. And then you get and then you get tested again, a rapid test when you come back. If you leave the ship, you get tested again when you come back on. So the protocol is great. And the service is is impeccable. Well, it's interesting you should bring that up because I have a little subject I want to talk about today. And I don't know if, because you've been traveling, I don't know if you saw the news about this uh, guy, Caleb Wallace, who died of COVID, and he was the anti-mask organizer. Did you see that? No, I haven't seen any news. Well, so there was an anti-mask. Except for the bear that got caught in a tree. (laughs) That was in San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Well, he was an anti-mask rally organizer, 
and he came down with COVID. And now he has died. And he's left his pregnant wife and three other kids alone. And I just thought, you know, this is something, this scenario is something, I mean, you know, listen, we've heard people say, you know, I hope they just all drop dead because they won't wear masks. And now, of course, the reality is that he did. So it's, you know, rather serious. And um, I just don't get it at this point why you wouldn't wear a mask. And and I say that based on the statistics that came in yesterday. Uh, I think it was the New York Times or something else that despite all of these people dying in the South, by the way, 1,300 people died yesterday. So we're right back up where we were at the top of the pandemic. 1,300 people died. 99% of them were unvaccinated. And do you know the doctor said that the family members that are there and that are crying and so upset still refuse to get vaccinated? You know, I'm so worn out with the conversation um, that I can't even... I know I have been, you know, such an advocate for it. I've already booked my booster, so when I get back off, you know, we get off the ship... I have an appointment, Andrew and I both, and, and, and Philip, we're all getting them as soon as we get back. But I'm also very disappointed in some people that I happen to know. I mean, a part of my friend group uh, has been behaving as such where they, that they are not getting vaccinated for whatever reasons they find legitimate for themselves. And I don't think I'm going to continue many friendships like that. I'm just not. I, I just think it's just we're at too important of a place. And this could have been fixed and managed already. And we were so close. And it's these people that are, are keeping us so far. And they're screaming the loudest for their freedom. And there's, there's uh, civil liberties and all of these other things. Meanwhile, they're the ones that are taking it away from themselves. So I don't get it. There's nothing I can really talk. I'm, I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sick of the, their behavior about it. But the only thing I can do now is keep my friends as close as I can and my family and my loved ones and the people I trust. And that trust comes along with a shot in the arm. Well, by the way, it looks like the European Union is deciding whether to put us on the banned list or whether it will only be for unvaccinated people, which is what's happening everywhere. New York just passed a vaccination mandate to go into hotels there. So all they're doing is putting themselves at risk and putting themselves in a place they're not going to be happy. And I just want to add, because while I don't know this man, obviously, and I do think that, you know, what he was rallying for was uh, a, a freedom and a right to not wear a mask. I'm okay with the idea that you don't have to. That there's no law that says you have to, right? But what happened to those times when this country got together during wars? I mean, World War II, all the men went off and the women were building. They were in the plants and they were, you know, that's where you got Rosie the Riveter and all these things. They were down there building planes and they were coming on because it was good for the country. What happened to that idea like, okay, you don't have to wear a mask, but it's good for the country as a whole. So what are you asking to put on a mask to go to the store? What is the big deal? Do it for everybody. Do it for the country. And we wouldn't be in this mess. And do it for yourself. I mean, the, the let's figure this out. We're in the middle of figuring it out. And these people have already decided what's not, what works, what doesn't work. We don't know that yet. We do know that not wearing it and not getting vaccinated doesn't work. Yeah. We do know that much. So if you don't want it to work, there's your choice and there's your freedom. 
you can do that and you can have the risk of dying and becoming seriously ill. You can take that risk if that's what you want to do. But you're not allowed to share that space with, with those of us that are responsible, that are deciding to be healthy and to have a shot at beating this thing. Well, maybe I'll just stay on this vaccinated-only well, ship. You may be the only ones alive. It's like a movie. When you come back to port, you'll find everybody's dead. But... <laughs> come back, everybody's dead. Oh, God. <laughs> well, Lord, no, there's enough food on this ship, so we should be okay. And speaking about bad movies... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we went to see Candyman the other night. And thank God we saw it at IPIC where they serve you drinks, because it was the only thing that made the movie better. Now, there are others in the room with me who loved it, but we thought it was crap. And, you know, Will loves these movies. He loves this stuff, and he loved the first one. He was so annoyed when the movie ended, <laughs> and so was I. I thought, what a waste of money. It wasn't even scary. It was just dumb all around. It was so stupid. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I have no desire for that. Well, they have a, a Cirque du Soleil-type show tonight in the, in the theater here. So I think Andrew and I are going to that early. And uh, so that should be kind of fun. People are going to bend over backwards for you? Yes, they have been so far. <laughs> like I said, the service has been great. But anyway, it is a cruise. But now they're going to do it on stage. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and how's everything back home? Hot, it I cooled hear. cooled down drastically today. It's quite nice. And last night I had a big milestone. I did a night flying Oh, my God, that's your first. It's my first, and I didn't realize that you have to do 10 nighttime landings to get your pilot's license. And I went out there for a 6 o'clock lesson last night out to the airport, and the plane that we needed or were using was out, 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 and it came in late because the guy that was using it ahead of me was doing one. He was doing his uh, instrument flight rating test. Mm -hmm. And so they landed late, and by the time we had it refueled, we didn't even take off till like 7.30 or something, 7.15, I think. So it was light when we took off, but by the time we got to Santa Barbara, it was dark. And so uh, can I tell you, I enjoyed it so much more than day flying. <laughs> it was so much better. First of all, not nearly the skies aren't crowded. The radio's not all, you know, going like crazy. You can see much better at night than you can in the haze of the day from all the smoke and the fires. And, of course, the weather's calm and cool, and so that it was not bumpy. It was such a nice flight and flew right into Santa Barbara, really easy, nice landing, touch and go, took off, came back, zipped right down Simi Valley and right into Van Nuys, also another nice landing. So it was a really good experience, and I checked off two of my ten landings at night. Well, congratulations. I would have I would have taken it with you, but now I'll yeah, wait till the, the next, next one. Next one will be on purpose. <laughs> this one was by mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But um, it was great. Well, I'm very excited to be talking to your friend Dorinda, who I did meet. I met her at Sonia's party in New York. My birthday party. Yes, your birthday party. And I love it because we're not really talking much about the housewives. I think we're talking a lot about her entrepreneurial skills and her life outside the housewives. And that's going to be even more interesting. Yes. And I want to talk about I read her book and I, I loved it. And I have there's so many interesting things about her and there's so many things that we have in common. And I just love hearing the stories about her family, how she grew up, her passions, her relationships, especially with her daughter. So very interesting. And she's, I, I will say this much without saying much beforehand, but she puts the real 
in the housewives. She, re- she really she, put she, real she totally in the real. Did. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking forward, and I think uh, our listeners will really enjoy her conversation. Well, they won't have to wait long, because when we come back, we are going to have Dorinda Medley. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, good morning. Or is it morning or after? Good afternoon. How are you? How's it going? There she is, the girl that makes it nice. That's right. That's right. If I, they're gonna have to put that. I said to Hannah the other day. I want. To, I want. To, I want to know right now. I want on my gravestone to say she made, made it, it nice. nice. Cocktails at seven. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> See you there. She made it nice. That's a, that, BSM. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. So you know, we start each episode with a drink. Joey puts together a drink for each of our guests, and he has put together something for you. Take it away, Joey. What have you Joey made? Joey Martini. I've actually made it nice. Uh, I have a, I had the butler bring over some little flowers, some champagne, a nice bucket, some fresh fruit. And uh, I thought we would pop a little champagne to celebrate your book. And we wanted to say congratulations. Thank and you. so Thank you. we'll have a real cocktail yep. when I come to New York. We'll have a martini together. I love that. Your book, which is a hit, we see it's number one and and number four as a Kindle in the uh, television personality segment. It's doing quite well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. When I looked it up, you were number one in hardcover and number four in Kindle. Yes! Congratulations. I've been on such a magical mystery. I've been on a magical mystery tour. I've just been in like dun 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 dun. You know, I don't. Someone said to me today, did I was saying, God, I wonder if the when the vaccine is going to get FDA approved. They said that happened a week ago. Pfizer. I mean, I can barely keep up. No, I haven't seen the news on one day, and I and I'm glued to it every day, usually at home. So I've missed everything. I don't know what's going on anywhere. But it's kind of nice to separate myself for a minute. And when you hear news, the fact that you can hear good news about your book is is worth listening to. So congratulations on that. I love that. No, thank God. It's been it's been very well received. And I'll tell you what's been really super nice is to, you know, you're so involved in it for, you know, a year and a half. And then you have to edit it and then you have to blah, blah, blah. It just seems to keep going on and on and on. And you don't really see the people Mm -hmm. reading it. Like, I, it's almost like when you're filming, you don't know it's actually going to be given to people and. They're going to have an opinion. So it's like walking to the strand the other night and have people really like, like a girl got up and she's like in chapter seven, when you say, I'm like, wait a second, did you really read chapter seven? Like, you know, it was just so funny. I'm like, you read chapter seven? You know? So it's so, it's so, so fun to see people respond to it and be so positive yeah. about it. Well, because you tell a real story, you know, that's, that's what I love. I loved getting to know the person. And so many people fluff it and they don't really, but you had so many points that I could find myself relating to. I felt we had so much in common, the way that you look at life, I love you know, and, and your experiences in the relationships, how they formed, how you left them or how they left you and what they left you with. And it was so healthy. 
because so many people, you know, talk about the bitterness or they or they don't resolve anything for themselves. You didn't go any of those places. You really took everybody with you. The relationship with your parents was reflected of the one I had with mine, with your siblings. So all of those things, your daughter, you know, I related to them completely. And it was such a nice feeling to be able to read something that you felt good about and you and you just took the journey along with you. So you did that really really beautifully. So I enjoyed that. Thank you. Well, I wanted people to feel like I I wanted people to feel like I was sitting in their living room and you someone said to me, "Tell me about yourself." And I yeah, just started that talking. It. That's what I got. You know? So I love that. Yeah. Well, I have lots of questions. So First of all, I wanted to point out that all three of us are Italian. It's Italian day. And I even yeah, wore I'm Italian I even wore my, I'll be Italian. I even do the Italian, Italian t-shirt. Oh yeah. I'll do the Italian. It's like, well, my mother's Italian, so that's how we read, right. you know. It's like my, mother my mother's kind of Italian. Set the tone. Yeah. And my mother's Italian by injection. My father's 100% Italian. <laughs> well, close, close enough. enough. My mother's a real character. She's sort of like I was she just my mother says the most you know people think the Dorindisms are mine but really it's my mother my I don't know why I just start writing down her the thing she says she's eight she's probably I, I say I say she she lives her life like a saint but runs the books you know like a rapper I mean she is all about the money she's got that yeah, money yeah, down yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean but she goes to church every day and she's such a character and such a good person she said to me the other day I came home from Big Y. My grocery store. I said, "Oh, I ran into so and so." And I said, "You were." She's still a pretty woman. She goes, "Oh, yes, beautiful woman, face of an angel, mouth of a serpent." <laughs> That's very Italian. <laughs> well, you know, my <laughs> and, in, and in one brief sentence, I got the whole story: yeah. face of an angel, mouth <laughs> of a serpent. And I thought, I know women oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> true. Well, Joey brought up something interesting, which is, and I agree, because I also had, had read the book, is that it, it paints a picture of who you were as you grew and what your values were. And so I was curious, is does the housewives, appearance on the housewives distort in people's eyes who they think you are? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think to be fair to, to the housewives, you know, it is a reality show and they you know, they want it to be fun and salacious and wacky. And it is, but I'm fun, salacious and wacky in a lot of ways. I mean, um, but also to remember there's six of us and they can only just show so much of you on the show. And that's why I thought it was important for me during this time to write the book, because I thought, you know, I want people to kind of follow the breadcrumbs and connect the dots because you see me on the show, but it's just kind of the frosting. But there's a whole cake under yeah. there that you never really got to know. And I think it just helps to make sense a little bit uh, of why things are. And it lets you know that, you know, I am certainly not perfect. So when everybody says, yeah, it's up, it's this, I'm like, yeah, I am. And so are you. And so are mm -hmm. we all. And it's just part of the fabric. It's part of this crazy quilt called life. Some colors are vibrant and great. Some colors aren't. But the quilt overall is good. So I just wanted to sort of take people on that journey and, and share with them my thoughts about, you know, leaving Great Barrington, going from a child to an adult in the city, having hopes and dreams to my successes, to my mistakes, you know, e even, you know, for me walking for the first time ever walking through that time or reliving that time with Richard. I hadn't really thought about that at all since he died. I never thought about it once. It was just too painful. And it was actually very therapeutic to go through that because I was like, you know what? It's a funny thing when people die, 
I think it's a safety mechanism. You restore them immediately in your mind. So you remember as they were. But, you know, I forgot that that time, that journey to bringing him to heaven, you know, was, was tough on the family. And I grew a ton from it. And I changed drastically because of it. And it had an effect on, on me. And in a lot of ways, it, 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 you know, made me stronger. You know, my mother used to say all the time, I know it's raining, but the sun's going to come out. Just wait. Just wait. I promise you it's going to come out again. And, you know, my mom has been such a huge, played such a huge role in just keeping me due north. Just stay, you know, you can go to the left a little bit, go to the right, but as long as you kind of do north yeah. yeah well you know yeah. what i thought was interesting is you and and some of the most interesting part of the book for me was your younger years because of your upbringing and your family was very tight and very strong and not unlike my family my father went to work every day but my mother did the books for the business and she was there when we got home from school so that we never felt that our mother wasn't there and uh, and we did do, when we were younger, we did the church on Sunday. Every Sunday we went to church. So I saw a lot of similarities. Well, you know what was interesting about my mom that was such a revelation? And it kind of made my heart sort of tighten when she said it. Because, you know, I look at my mom as sort of, she's my, you know, she, there are two things that, you know, it's my mom. She has no other job except me. I am her only job and we were her only job and she had no other interests as far as I'm concerned or no other hopes and dreams. And as I was writing the book, my mother said to me, and I really wanted to, I said to her, that makes me sad. She goes, oh no, no, it all turned out fine. She said, you know, I got a scholarship to the Katie something secretary school in Boston. And who knows what would have happened if I became a secretary, I might've married an executive. And it was that moment where I was like, what? Like, why would you even think like that, <laughs> right? But obviously at some point, like, what? Why would you bring that up? You gotta, but you know, at some point my mother, and it made me realize that I think in a lot of ways, my mother did for me what she wasn't able to do for herself. Yeah. So she maybe felt like she didn't get a chance to leave Great Barrington and venture far. But sure, my mother's very happy and thrilled with her kids and her life. But I did see a glimmer of me in her. Like, I'm like, wait a second. You know, you had hopes and dreams too, and they weren't just me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really interesting. What had impressed me about it is you held on to those because there's a story in the book, despite that your husband having, you know, various having money and London and all of that, there was something that happened that I thought really told a lot. And that was the story about your daughter hiding her clothes under the bed (laughs) and that you gave it all to charity. <laughs> no, she didn't. That's not what happened. What happened was it wasn't even hiding under the bed. They were scattered. They were under the bed. They were everywhere. And you yeah. know, I was always trying. I always wanted her to have nicer things than I had because that was the joy of finally having access to things that I could now let Hannah. And just that slippery slope of disrespect of things. So she came home on that because she goes, "Oh my God, thank you for cleaning my room." <laughs> I said, "I didn't clean your room." <laughs> You don't have any respect for this stuff, so I gave it to someone. <laughs> Do you know, to this day, she still tells that story. She said it was traumatizing. Well, my parents used to do the same thing. They would take things from us if they felt that we were not treating them properly. And, you know, to, today they would they would report you to, to uh, what do they call it? The, child you know, protection they, service. Child protected. If you take away their phone, they yeah. go crazy. Oh, God. 
Well, you know, and I was looking at my, in my bedroom the other day, I was at the house and I was in, in my closet looking for my porcelain pumpkin my mother made for me. I was like, where's that porcelain pumpkin you made for me a hundred years ago? And, you know, my closet was like this week and my sister and I shared it. And I don't remember ever not having clothes. It was fun. But you had a greater terror later. Then when you got older, you had this little mishap in London with the guy at the aerobics studio. Can you imagine that? Well, and you know, you can look, you can look him up, the ones where. Well, I was going to. I just wow. haven't had time because I was going to ask you a little bit about that because you don't go into it that much in the book. You just sort of mention that he was without explaining what that, what, you know, he was known for doing. Yeah, he used to stalk women and then murder them. And you want to hear a weird thing. And this is where Diane Sincala was always right. She'd say, listen to the Holy Spirit. If she's talking to you, you know, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or Sixth Sense or whatever it is, but I never felt comfortable around him. He would he just creep me out, but he was so polite and he just was, and, and he was consistent. And I, I'm telling you, I never felt comfortable. Well, see. And when the Scott, when the guys from the Scotland Yard walked in, like, all right, that's the Wandsworth killer. And I had just been reading about it in the Daily Express. I thought, oh my God. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. And he used to come before I sat up and stay after to help me break down stuff. I got it. With nobody else there? Well, we were in this council flat. I used to rent out the council flat area, the gym. So, yeah, I guess, but not really. You know, everybody would leave and go to the pub and I would be cleaning up. You know how it is yeah, yeah. inside the gym back then? We're talking 30 years ago now. So, it wasn't like people hung around. They'd be like, you know, thank you. Well done. You know, cheerio. Meet me at the pub. <laughs> going, you know, <laughs> and I would clean up and go back home. And I ne- I would always be like, no, 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 you don't have to wait. He just creeped me mm. out. Well, there is well, that instinct, you, were right. you know. There's that voice, the whisper, and the scream. So you got away with the you got away with the whisper. The voice is the reminder. The scream is if you know it would be the tragedy. Yeah. So li- always remember yeah, if, that's if it's God that speaks to you or or whatever that that is, but listen to that whisper. And, you know, whenever I haven't listened to it, because a lot of my life has been ruled by intuition Mm -hmm. and just that feeling of knowing whatever that is. And whenever I haven't listened, I've screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yep. Me too. Yeah. And how many times have you done that where you're like, I knew it, I knew it. And I did it anyway. Right. Your gut just told you something was up or something was wrong and you went forward anyway and you didn't listen. But my mom used to say when we were little, if you feel afraid of someone or you feel like someone's being awkward with you, tell them and, and don't be afraid about being embarrassed or being polite. I'll take the brunt of that mm-hmm. for you. Because, you know, a lot of times when you're kids or you're a woman, you're afraid to say it because you don't want to be impolite or you don't want to make a scene. My mother was not about that. She's like, don't worry, I'll take I'll pick up the rope for that one. If someone makes you feel uncomfortable or you don't want to do something, shout it right out and don't do it. And then I'll do the apologizing yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, she had your back. There was a part that you wrote that was amusing to me too about she was very spiritual. I mean, she was very religious, and and then <laughs> which yeah. is so. Uh, but when uh, she you, you you were taking it back when all of a sudden she started to question you know about the Noah's Ark thing. She said, "I'm not too sure about that part." <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so I hard loved at that. that because that yeah. always. You know, I went to Catholic school as a kid, too, and I always scratch my head at that one. I'm like, really? Two of everything? How big was this damn boat? The, the, the best was she's like, I don't, I don't, I mean, here she is in her 80s. I don't think I buy that anymore. I'm like, now? 
I'm thinking, well, it's too yeah. late. To, I, mean, I said, well, what do you think of the Adam and Eve thing? Well, she goes, what do you mean? What do we think of the Adam and Eve thing? What, what sort of think of it? I said, well, do you think, well, what do you think? Of course I do. I'm like, okay, okay. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not break she couldn't question too many you. things at one time. Yeah. She's, she's just wondering about the two animals. Yeah, it was just the way she said it. She goes, you know, kids, I've been thinking. <laughs> I don't think they fit all those animals in that ark. That really doesn't make sense. Do you think so? And we're all like, we didn't know what to say. It was like a trick yeah. question. You're like, well, what do you think? You know? Yeah, I, I had a good chuckle on that one. <laughs> no, the best was in my mind. I said to him, I came out of catechism one day and we were learning the Ten Commandments. I'll never forget it with Father Riley. And I said, I'm just bored of these Ten Commandments. She goes, well, let, let me, let's do this. If you don't, just memorize them so you stay out of jail. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I loved that where you said that, they're rules to stay out of jail. Yeah, it And keeps, I thought, you know, those are really good rules that's, to stay I mean, out of jail. there's just 10 of them. If you just follow those, you might have a shot. Yeah. She said, just, just follow, follow those to stay out of jail. <laughs> you don't have to be... And I'll tell you the truth. Now that I'm old, and now that I know my own thing, I don't... I'm not stuck to one thing. I go because I, I go wherever the mass has a good mass to take the truth. If it's, I, I really do. It's church to me is here. Yeah, go here, here. And for me, it's a place. I like it because, yeah, I like it because I like that. I, I like anything ceremonious. Yeah. Like I like a structured thing. So I go, I tune out, I turn off. It's what I know. It feels comfortable right. and familiar. And, I, and it kind of sets my week up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, some people go to yoga. Right. True. Some people run. For me, that's where I can sort of sit yeah. and, you know, re- review and sort of if I get worried. I'll tell you the truth, even when I, because I suffer from anxiety every once in a while, I just wake up and I'm like, that's it. The world's falling apart. My life is terrible. <laughs> what am I doing? I definitely have those days. And if I go to church and sit and it just calms yeah. me right down. Yeah, I, I, I have. A, so yeah. it's, I'm sure it triggers all things, right? Mm-hmm. Positive, warm, safe. Yeah. yeah. It does yeah, well, I it yeah, and I find I find it in my quiet. So I I very much prepare for every part of my day. So my morning is my quiet, and and then with that, that's where I do my prayer, and then I start my day. So I'm prepared for whatever comes. So I bad, good, or indifferent. At least I'm 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 settled. You know, a hundred percent. I believe. So if that. it means going to church, but I think the church is that place you go to. It's that quiet place of <clears throat> where you feel safe and where you feel valid. Yeah. However you find it. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Okay, Dorinda, I have a question. You you brought up somebody early in the book. Billy, your first love. Yes. But you didn't quite end it in the sense that I thought, are you still friends? Do you know where he is? <laughs> I do know where he is. We're not, I mean, we don't speak. I mean, I think, you know, what the prob- I think the problem is with a first love that's so intense like that. You never get over it. And I think in his deep hearts, he's never gotten over it. Like, it's the type of weird thing that if we saw each other, it would pro- God knows what would happen. We, In our old age, we'd end up sleeping together again. You know what I mean? So we have to, <laughs> because we would go back to being 18 yeah. again. You know, I think we have got 100 and we'd probably still sleep with each other again because you know, that first love is so passionate. And it's so funny because when I called them, and I and told them, because I, I wanted, to, I was very careful about trying to tell my side of the story without trying to tell anyone else's and have respect for their journey and make it about my journey. So I talked to my brothers, I talked to my sister, you know, talked to my parents, I talked to my friends, I talked to my stepkids. And, um, and I called him up and I said, listen, I just want you to know, 
um, I'm writing a book. And he goes, uh -oh. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm not going to use your name. And then at, when I got off, of course, I couldn't help myself. I, and I'm like, and of course, I asked all the right questions, like, how's your wife? And he's like, oh, she's wonderful. I'm thinking, that's too yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this conversation's over. Never mind. <laughs> because, you know, there's part of you that always just thinks you're the only yeah. one, right? Yeah. And then afterwards, I wrote a text and I said, um, this was so nice. I couldn't help myself. I had to keep it going. Right? Yeah, yeah. I said, it was so nice talking to you. <laughs> you know, it's great to catch up. Thank you for all the wonderful years. And then he wrote back, no, it was great catching up with you too. And yes, thank you for all the wonderful years. Of course, I looked at that for a week. I was like, do you think he's still watching? <laughs> it's that's funny how we read into something. But I literally was like, now have, have you seen, have, have you me? seen him? Of course, Hannah's like, I think it's just thanking you for the call. I'm like, oh, no, no, I see a lot more than <laughs> but you know, it can work both ways though, because there have been people in my life that at one time, and you remembered them at that fine moment, you know, the time you spent together where it was this romance and all of this, the things that went along with it physically and all of that. And then you haven't seen them in 10 or 15 years. And all of a sudden you <laughs> run into them and you go, oh shit, that you kind of just, I'm over it. <laughs> Did you know, especially if they haven't kept up with you. Did age well. exactly. Oh, I dodged a bullet on that one. Like I slept with that. You know, you're looking at everything, the ear, the foot, the hand. Is that, was that his hand, Ben? Well, that's the thing, because age is, you know, the kid that was running across the campus at two in the morning to get to you, to, yeah. you know, is that the person that's lived this drudgerous life and raised kids and paid yeah, bills yeah, sure. and had the shit kicked out of them, you know? True. And I'm sure you think you'd think the same thing of me too. Sometimes that's that's your best relief is when you go, wow, I'm over that. Ooh, thank God I, I saw you. I missed the bullet. Huh? No, I saw a woman the other day at Big Y. And you know, we we have the we have the wonderful thing of living in cities and having, you know, you got you take care yeah. of yourself and you can see dermatologists and take care of yourself and the hair color. I mean, God, if you only know what I was starting to look like during COVID, you would have been like, oh God. <laughs> when it started to crickle off, right? So this woman taps me on the shoulder the other day and says, Hi, I'm so and so. I went to school oh, no. with you. She had gray hair. Because I'm like, oh, oh no, honey. You were my teacher. <laughs> you must have been my teacher. <laughs> no, 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 no. I because <laughs> if you're old, that means uh -huh. I'm old, and I ain't old. Okay? <laughs> she just said she was left back a lot of years. <laughs> I said, oh, Sam, life has been cruel to you. <laughs> God. Dorinda, tell us about the house in the Berkshires. It comes up a lot in the book. And for people yeah. who don't know, tell them where the Berkshires are and what that is and why it's called that. Well, you, the house or the Berkshires? The Berkshires and then the house that you have there. Yeah, the, so the Berkshires are in Western Massachusetts. It's so beautiful. It's sort of about Connecticut and Vermont and New York State. And I think it's a very magical place. It's a place that in the early 20th century attracted a lot of writers and sort of all the big founding families, the Vanderbilts, the you know uh, Rockefellers. It just has a, Moby Dick was written there, Thoreau wrote there, it's got Tanglewood. It just has a very special 
feeling. It's a, uh, it reminds me a little bit of the London countryside. I think that's why when I came back and bought Bluestone Manor, I liked it because it's more that kind of way of living. It's very spiritual. And I have a beautiful home called Bluestone Manor up there that Richard actually bought for me uh, before we got married because when I was growing up, it was the house on the hill that my great grandfather came over from Italy to work on. And then my grandfather worked on because he was a, they were Masons. And I always wanted this beautiful Stanford White House. I used to say to my father, when I grow up, I'm going to own that house and I'm never going to get married. And I'm going to live with you and your mom forever and ever. And he used to say, sure, of course you are, sweetheart. <laughs> and uh, he bought it for me like four months before we got married as a wedding gift. Wow. And it's funny how how that li- lives on. You know, it's a, uh, you know, he, he, he the sad part was we lived in it. We bought it in 2005. We had to close it in 2007 to renovate it because it really hadn't been renovated for almost 100 years um, properly. And then we opened it in 2010 after three years, and he died in 2011. Wow. And it was such a bummer because it was going to be the place we sort of finished our story, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Had it all figured out. But it's funny, I wasn't going to keep it. And my mom and dad said to me, wait a year. And if in a year you feel like you don't want it anymore, sell it. But don't make any decisions for a year. I'm so happy I did because it's 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 become such a great legacy to him. It's become such a great safe haven for me. It's been such a blessing during COVID because I could have my parents yeah. up there. So it's, a, it's really a gift that Richard gave me that keeps on giving and giving and giving. Uh, and he's going to be dead 10 years this year. Can you believe that? So bizarre. And we've, there's one fruit tree left on the property from the original fruit trees that survived. I shocked it two years ago. It's come back to life. Like you couldn't believe it's over a hundred years. Wow. Old, can you imagine? And I've dedicated the tree to Richard. So I said, every time we're going to look out there, Richard, and we'll see you. And thank you for this beautiful home that he provided for us. Yeah, it's a, it's a very special place. And what I love about Blue Star Manor, it's almost become like an urban myth. Like I'm sort of like Cinderella in a castle. I don't think people think it's real. You know, they think it's sort of made for film. <laughs> and even sometimes when I'm on a Zoom and it's in the background, people are like, oh my God, are you a Blue Star Manor? I'm like, yes, I am. Um, yeah, it's just a great magical place. And you feel it when you're there. The place lives. I saw the photos. It looks beautiful. And I'm going to take you up because when you were at my birthday party in New York at Sonia Cole's house, her apartment, you invited me yes. to come. So when I'm in New York next, you and you and I are going to cook have to come. together and yeah, clean and decorate and make, and make it nice. It nice. <laughs> well, that was quite a party. It was. It was a lot of fun. God, we had, we had some good laughs at that. <laughs> we totally did. <laughs> We'll just leave it. I at always that. have good laughs. You know who I love is I love um, what's his name uh, from from London. What's his uh, name? Ma- Come ma- on, ma- you got to be killing Milan. No, was it uh, Milan Breton? That's it, Milan Breton. M A L A N Breton. Darling, yeah. he's he's so funny. <laughs> he's very funny. He? He's quite talented too. <clears throat> his designs are, are quite good. Yeah, he's he's a cool guy. I really like him. I think he even sang that night. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. did. Sing he sang. Night. Yeah, I think he, he did, did sing. He did sing. Yeah, that was that was a hoot. I don't know how many people we crammed in that <laughs> apartment, but my God. Yeah, we almost fell off the, the balcony. balcony. I'm surprised that wasn't a fire <laughs> hazard. And of course, it was like in the midst of COVID. What were I don't we know. thinking? We had everything open, and oh, everybody was tested. Thank God. 
we were smart enough to do that. Yeah, but, thank God, yeah. Oh, and vaccinated, so. Yeah, it was one of those where the balcony didn't quite seem large enough to have a bar and 10 people on it. <laughs> and and, and a bar, two bartenders, I know. It was like, are we sure that this balcony is connected to this building all right? <laughs> I at one point, I'm like, do you feel safe on this balcony? Because there's like... It was like it was like spring break in Fort Lauderdale, nineteen eighty four. Wait, well, and Ramona was there. I think she was dancing on the balcony too. <laughs> oh my god, it was insane. Oh yeah, Ramona was yeah. there. Oh my gosh, too funny. Dorinda, tell us where we can find you on social media. Well, you can get you can buy where books are sold, and I'd like you to know that my audio is done in my voice. You read the whole audio. You read and the book. So, if you like my voice, download it. If you don't like my voice, read the book. <laughs> Make it nice. My first book. I hope everybody enjoys it, and I hope the takeaway is that they get to know me a little better, and they have a few laughs, and you know they they realize you know you're stronger than you think. Who was your editor? Natasha? No. Who was your editor? Natasha Simon yeah. Schuster. Gallery Natasha Books. Natasha Simon Schuster. Yeah. Gallery yeah. Books. We got a little package. It was Very lovely good. with a coffee cup and a bag. We got all the Thank swag you. with your book. Yeah, we got swag from you. Thank you. I created all I that. Did. Did I like it? it. I meant yeah. to have my coffee here so you could see the mug and... I'm very talented. I'm very multifat. I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades and, and the master of nothing. <laughs> nah, you master quite a bit. Thanks for spending time with us this morning. Well, I hope I see you soon. Okay, all right, great. Thank, you, Thank you, guys. Thank you very Bye, much. Honey. Bye, Bye. Bye. So, Dorinda did not disappoint. Nope. Not one bit. Not one bit. Great energy, great, great uh, personality, and really an honest conversation. I, I, I so enjoy her. I really do. Smart, agile, quick on her feet. Mm-hmm. I found her interesting. It was different. It was completely different than I expected. Yeah, she's also passionate about a great many things, and I like her her views in politics and uh, and just daily life. There's a lot to learn from, uh, from her and uh, listening to how she conducts her life and Yeah, I enjoyed that. I agree. Well, that wraps yet another episode of Two Guys from Hollywood. And we appreciate you tuning in each week. And again, if you like the podcast, it's so important that you share. We keep underlining this, but it is the most important thing you can do is share the podcast. So when you see it on Facebook and you see it on these other places, just hit that share button and send it to a friend. If they hate it, okay, they hate it, but you tried. But send it out. We would really appreciate that. So if you're interested in sending in a question for us, you know what to do. Tell us how much you love us. <laughs> so anyway, you can feel free to, uh, to message us, uh, messenger us or send us a message on social media or via email at contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com. And we'll talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boom. Edited by Marissa Ewing. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. 
for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.